Welcome to The Pulse on Akaville Radio, hosted by Rachel Schoenbaum. Welcome back to a special episode of The Pulse. I'm your host, Rachel Schoenbaum, and I'm so thrilled to be sitting down with J.D. Frizzell from One Voice Briarcrest and from uh, Aka Educators and all sorts of various things. And we're here to talk today about the new release, Underground, and the show that One Voice is putting on on July 8th. Welcome, J.D. How are you doing? I'm good, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, we're so glad that you're here. And I would sort of love to start off with Underground, if we could, and, you know, sort of how that song came to to be in the rap. So we've been Cody Fry fans for a few years in One Voice, and he's based out of Nashville, which is not very far from Memphis. And so we we covered his song Fly last a couple of years ago, and it was just one of our favorite songs that I think we've ever done. And uh, so you know we listened to a lot of his music, and the group members always tended to suggest his stuff. And Benjamin Chang, who is the lead on Flying, is also the lead on Underground, and you know. His voice fits fits really well with Cody. So yeah, it was just a natural fit. And I loved the song when I heard it. And it's very rare that I get to arrange for the group just because I'm, you know, busy with the job and the kids and everything else. But I love the song. And I was like, you know, uh, I told Rob Dietz, who co-produces all the albums with me. I said, Rob, I'm going to take this one. I'm really excited about it. I had like a vision for this sort of journey that I wanted it to become. And so we, you know, I kind of dug in. And the next thing you know, you know, we had Underground. And, you know, if you're familiar with Cody's original, which is, it has this journey that it takes you on, but you know, he has instruments. And so he's able to continue continually increase the instrumentation as a song goes along. And I wanted to recreate that, but not just with like more layers with the vocals, you know, like just adding more voices and more harmonies and pads and textures and everything else. So I actually used tempo modulations over the course of the song. So it gradually gets faster, sort of like this speeding train, you know, coming at you. And that was really fun to, to see play out. So yeah, that's the story of how Underground got into the rep. Awesome. You know, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the video element of it, because it, it obviously came with a video and it's a really sort of, not only is the songs like a stunning sort of production, audio production, but visually it's a really stunning production. Can you talk a little bit about how that came? To- yeah, well, thank you. If you think that's, this is my like segue into our next conversation, but if you think that is cool, just wait until you see our show, the July 8th premiere we're going to talk about in a minute. It is, you know, we, we've really upped the game from that. So that was, you know, that was during all of, I don't, I don't even remember when exactly we filmed this, but it was, you know, at a time where like we could sing, but like separated on stage. And so we couldn't do a lot with choreo and, and whatever. So we just like spread everybody really far out on stage. And we were like, how do we make this visually interesting? And so we used our video crew at Briarcrest and and they do an amazing job and um, they set up, you know, a few different cameras and some, you know, a couple of them were on sliders. A couple of them were, were people moving around, you know, like steady cams or whatever. One of the things that I really am sort of like nerdy about when it comes to videos is just that there's always steady movement happening, mm. you know, and I pick on myself. Like when our video team talks about planning our new videos, we'll go back and watch old one voice videos and tear them apart. Cause I'm like, okay, no, I don't like what we did here. This shot is bad. This shot just stands still. Now this shot zooms in really fast because a lot of what we used to do was just based on like, we would be doing a live video for like showing up on a projector or during a live stream. And, you know, you can't really 
do both at the same time. You have to either decide I'm going to make this for post or I'm going to make this, you know, for live. And so, I mean, you can do both, but you just have to have more people. And we decided, you know, what we're going to, the people who are in the audience, they don't need to see it up on a projector screen or something. They, you know, they're there. Let's make these products from now on for later. And that's really where we made that shift was this last summer. So we, we had another video that we released from that same concert in my blood, which is the, the previous video out on our YouTube channel. And it was the same thing, you know, just trying to make 12 kids standing in a giant semicircle look somewhat interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder for you all, what was the hardest part about producing music or, or creating music over the course of this last year and a half? Yeah, I mean, the kids basically were in their own bubble, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're they all best friends and they were all hanging out and whatever. But, you know, at school, you know, we had very strict protocols. And so we had to use masks or pop filters, just like double layer screens that they shoved their faces into and distance the six feet minimum at all times. And my school, I'm the fine arts director at my school. So it was my job not only to like do all of the protocols, but to, to come up with what were we going to do as a school for all of the fine arts. And so last summer, you know, I started looking at all the, the studies, the Colorado State, the Colorado study, and came up with a plan to keep us singing because you know, we were going to be in school every single day and we wanted to be able to keep doing it and be safe. And, and, you know, we did, we were able to sing safely, you know, every single day of the school year, it was not easy. The whole choir room became, it has a capacity of like 120 and it turned into a capacity of 30. So wow. we split up all the choir classes. The kids were super far apart. I was in basically this like giant box way far away from them with like a microphone so they could hear me. And, you know, I never got to like get close to them or listen to them individually. It's just I stayed in my box, sang, spoke into my microphone, and they did their best to hear each other. And mm. actually, I think they got better at listening because they had to listen so hard, you know, so carefully to everybody, so spread out. But the ensembles were all separated too. And so that was you know really difficult. We had like most of our guys in one class and most of the girls in another class. And then, you know, you just have to imagine that it sounds good in your head. But One Voice specifically, you know, we just did our best with the protocols that were in place. I think the hardest part was that for One Voice, we normally perform a lot. When the pandemic first hit last spring, we had had a 20 something date tour planned and we got to do one of them you know we got to do the one in february and we did our our invitational and then that was it so we had to cancel everything else like everyone you know this last year Yes, we get to sing a lot, but you know, nobody was hosting choral events. You couldn't go sing anywhere. And so that's really how we came to this show that we're premiering, you know, in July. It's because we knew that our best chance of doing something was the end of the year, right? So hopefully the vaccines, you know, would be out. We, you know, we had, no one had any idea how this timeline was going to work. So right. I did, with our invitational, I put it, I moved it to like the last week of April. And then our concert was in mid to late May and it, it worked out okay. You know, that's right around the time when, you know, everything got a lot better and they like dropped the mask mandates in a lot of places. The CDC came out with all that new guidance. And so it was perfect timing. You know, we played our cards just right and really lucked out. And we were able to like create one big show. I was like, if we can't
can't do a lot of concerts all over the place. Let's make like the show to end all shows and do this amazing, you know, full length, fully produced, you know, concert. And, you know, that's what we ended up doing. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about that concert in a few minutes. First, we're going to take a listen to Underground, originally performed by Cody Fry. The arranger was J.D. Frizzell. The soloist was Benjamin Chang. And on the way out, we'll hear this song and then we'll be back shortly. So stick with us. Hold up, hold up there past me. We don't have a license to play music on this podcast. So if you want to hear this interview uninterrupted, including all the fantastic music that's involved, go to akaville.org and become a member. Thanks. And now we return you to our regularly scheduled interview. And we're back with J.D. Frizzell from One Voice, and we're chatting about their July 8th concert that they're putting on. So, uh, J.D., I would love to start talking about where was the seed? How did you decide to come to this? And then how did you put it all together? Well, you know, I mentioned before the break, we knew that we probably weren't going to get to perform a lot. We got to do one outside of school concert. A church opened up to us, you know, with masks, you know, that kind of thing, distancing everything still standing in place but we we really wanted to we were working towards this concert and I was like okay if I want to make something really exceptional how would we do it and I started talking to our production team I started talking to Rob Dietz Angela Ugolini Dave Spirandio and the Alexes Alex Green out and said like okay what are we how do we do this. We want to do basically a live show that's produced the whole thing, but I want it to sound similar to the album. I want to do like a double release Mm -hmm. and I want the album to feel like a show, but not sound live, you know, and I want the show to tell the same story as the album uh, because, you know, most live shows that are produced, they sound live and there's just only so much quality you can get from, you know, live microphones. Anybody who's ever edited a live show will tell you that there's just a lot of noise coming into those microphones. And so it's nothing like a clean studio recording. And if you watch any band do one of those produced shows like a live at Red Rocks or something, there's a considerable amount of both pre-recorded and post-production work on those. And they sound incredible. They sound like their studio. And in fact, most live performances, people may or may not know this, most live bands have a ton of pre-recorded material in. You know, they all use Ableton and they all have a lot of stuff already done. And that's how it sounds so much like, you know, the CD. So I was like, how do we use what people are doing without, I don't want to pre-record the show, Mm -hmm. but I want these two products to be aligned. You know, I want the story to be told in a similar way, whether you're listening or whether you're watching. And so we came up over the course of a a few months with how we were going to do it. We kept having to check back in with each other. Now, wait, how are we going to make it so that the tempos are the same in both? And wait, how are we going to make it so that you can hear the audience in this? And we had to be really creative. And so we ended up using a lot of in-ear channels. We mm-hmm. you know, were fortunate to have in-ear monitors. And actually, John Smith really helped John Smith from the Swingles. He really helped us figure out like how we were going to, to do this, our in-ear strategy, using cue tracks. And the, the Swingles, and I mean, oh, Pentatonix, every professional vocal band I know uses cue tracks. And if you don't know what cue track is, it's basically just like a, a click track in your ear and that you get like the count off 
off and you get pitches and then you sing and you've got this like tick, tick, tick. And the occasional cue just to like say like, hey, here's a key change or here's a moment or whatever. And it just keeps everybody together and it keeps your performances consistent over however many performances you're having. And for us, that was really important because, you know, we ended up combining studio and live audio, which was it's ending up the product as we're working through the show right now is really cool sounding, but you can't have two different tempos. Everything has to be exactly the same. And so we practiced for months with in-ears and then with these cue tracks and it has changed the way I think we will perform from now on. I mean, John and all these groups that I talk to who use them every day, they swear by them. They're like, look, it's hard. It's hard. You're, it's basically like you're tracking and singing live at the same time, but it will tighten up your performance in ways that you, you never thought possible. And I mean, we will never go back now because they're right. I mean, it is, it's the best the kids have ever performed live because they're so consistent with tempo and pitch and everything else. So yeah, so we did that. And then we came up with, it, it tells the story, basically. The, the whole album tells a story. And if you're familiar with One Voice albums, that's a theme for us. We always try to tell some kind of story and, and Rob and I get really nerdy trying to figure out how we can musically make, you know, an album connect between, you know, one song to the next. There might be a motive that comes back throughout the whole album. And, you know, there's always this like arc of where you're going to go emotionally and musically. But for this one, since we knew we were going to tie the live show to it, we said, let's come up with this story. And the kids, I mean, the kids had a huge part in this. Let's come up with this story that we want to tell. And then with the choreography and the lighting, let's see if we can tell that story in a way that it's like a jukebox musical, right? Oh. Where you don't have to have any, we don't have to like have lines in between the songs or like intro videos or something where somebody talks about what the song means. Can we be effective enough in our art making that the music and then the visuals can combine to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And so that meant that we had to work together with our technical team at Briarcrest and we would watch each song and talk through each moment, you know, and what we wanted to do with the lighting, capture the attention of the audience and point them in the right direction. You know, here's the, here's the thing that's important here. Here's how the story is being told at, at this point. And that, mm -hmm. you know, that was just another level of detail that we never had time for before because we performed every three days or something. So there's this double-edged sword to, to not having you know a lot of performances is that we really got to zero in on this new process and this new level of detail. And it really, I mean, it paid off. And I think now, you know, we know that there's this new level. And I mean, everybody after we did the live show when we did this taping, we taped it over two days. When we did the live taping with the audience, everyone afterwards, they were like, why, why haven't you done this before? This is so much better and so awesome and I was like well we haven't done it before because it's a lot of work yeah, yeah. and we basically spent the entire year plus before just working on the one show you know with 10 songs uh. and so it, you know we doubled down on everything and I think you'll see with the video project on July 8th I think it paid off and I think it created something that is really effective in telling that that story that you know we the kids really wanted to share and hopefully it's something that you know we can continue to do and I hope it's something that other groups look at and go okay like let's be really deliberate in our choices 
is in you know what we do. Let's be, do more than just pick good songs with good soloists. You know, let's let's see what we can say. You know, what what can we tell the audience? How can we change lives through the performance? Yeah, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the story you wanted to tell. How did you come up with the story? And after the course of this year, what story did the kids want to tell? So every year we start with our retreat and we have kids, they pitch song ideas, you know, as a soloist and we start to see trends emerge mm. of what's like speaking to them and they talk about it. And when a couple of songs come together and we start to like see a theme, we're like, okay, this is really cool. Let's go with this. And then other people come in and they bring their angle of like, well, this song means a lot to me in this way. And it's connected to the theme this way. You know, let me listen to me sing it. And that's how we, that's how we came up with this one. And we sort of had to craft the story in reverse. Like we started <laughs> coming up with the songs and then we had to sort of move them around all these pieces and yeah. say, okay, how do we how do we start it out? You know, what is this jukebox musical? How do we tell this story clearly without anything else but the lyrics? And so they, we came up with this idea of a young person, like a, a teenager, right, who dreams of stardom, which I mean, who hasn't? And they reach, they find success and they, you know, make it. And then they realize that it's not everything that they thought it would be. And that mm. there's a lot more to life than just this achievement and just trying to, you know, make it to your goal or become a star or whatever it is. And they realize in the end, the most important thing are other people and that, you know, you yourself, the way you are is, is enough and you don't have to prove yourself and you don't have to become someone else. And I think that's a really important message. And it's one that's really central to the One Voice thesis over the last 10 years is like you are who you are and we're going to set you know you should you need to celebrate that and love yourself and you know that's the journey that we see through the course of this album and I, I really hope that it I hope that it comes through yeah you know you mentioned about the in-ears and how having that track behind you was helpful and I wonder are there other were there other things you learned as part of this process that were meaningful to you or were helpful well you know I've spoken for years about how like recording the process of going into a studio and recording is really helpful to making your group better musically. And, you know, now that we've done this, it's like basically having to be on the same level of detail as when you're tracking all mm -hmm. the time. And so, you know, that's been so great for developing the kids musicianship because sure, like some people have said, well, I mean, it's kind of cheating, right? Like using tracks in your ears and like, well, if it's cheating, everyone's cheating. Pentatonix is cheating. The swingles are cheating. Voice play is cheating. Nobody that listens to them would be like, oh, they're good, but they're cheating. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're singing really, really well. I mean, every professional band on the planet that you listen to live, they're also cheating. If you take them off of those cues, you know, we sing live, you sing without microphones or what, whatever, those tempos are really locked in. Yes. And it's way tighter than it's ever been. And so, you know, that's really, really helpful. And that has helped just musically, you know, set sort of a new standard for performance and for performance level. On an emotional level, you know, I'm always trying to push not only my groups, but other groups that I work with to get the fundamentals so strong, right? Mm. Pitch, rhythm, intonation, blend, balance, whatever, that it's just secondary to the emotion and the story that, that you're telling. And that takes a lot. That takes a lot of work through technical issues so that you can't 
you're not thinking about those anymore. Because what I find with most groups is that even if they're singing really well and they're they're having occasional moments of emotional impact, there are still some technical issues that loom. And if there's even one in a song for a few people, they're thinking about that one thing at that one time instead of being fully present, you know, emotionally and as a performer. Yeah. And so that has been another area where you know, we've been able to be even more into the performance emotionally because we're not as worried about are we going to miss that one part or you know how am I going to hit that one note that's right in my break or whatever the issue is you work through it and so you're no longer worried about those things yeah I wonder what's next after the production are there more are you guys going to start touring what's coming up so we you know it's the summer so we were in between two groups. Next year's group is like 65, 70% new kids, which is, yeah. so we're, but we're going to start on the process. We've already started working on songs. And now that we know how this works and it took us a whole year, we're just sort of speeding the process up. And our goal is to be able to do it, not just one show in the middle of May, but we want to do a whole tour in the spring of, of 2022 using what we've learned. And so we're going to try to be out and about. We're going to go all over the place. And one of the, the big things, and I haven't even told my kids yet, I probably mm -hmm. should tell them soon because this will come out uh, and they, they might hear it. And we are going to be participating not only One Voice, but my choir in the National Acapella Convention. So we're going to go go down to Orlando and they're going to be part of that event, which I, I'm really excited about. That's cool. I know that that's something that is near and dear to your heart. <laughs> and I wonder if you can talk a little bit in our, our last few minutes before we say goodbye, if you can talk a little bit about NAC and, and sort of what's what's coming up with NAC. Yeah. So in National Occupation Convention, NAC is we're in our sixth year and we've had to delay it because of COVID, of course, like everybody else. But we have moved to this giant resort convention center in Orlando, the Wyndham International Drive. And it is three, four times bigger than it's ever been. It is a combination choir and acapella festival. So it's designed cool. to sort of bridge the gap between those two worlds. I mean, as big as acapella is, choir is still so much bigger. And there's so many middle school, high school, college choral programs. And so the idea is this is like a one-stop shop where you can go and bring your choir and your acapella kids your choir kids get to hear all these acapella groups. The choir kids have opportunities to learn and grow and perform. And then, of course, your acapella kids have something, too. So I just practically, as a high school choir director, I was like, what if you only had to take one big trip and you you know didn't have to take a separate trip for your choir and your acapella group? And so that's where the idea started. And then it has grown into this. It's a three-day event, five, four or five headlining groups. Um, wow. We're going to be able to start announcing soon dozens, if not hundreds of classes, master classes and performance opportunities for high school, college groups uh, all over the campus and on this, the stage. We're, we're bringing the level of production that people have known to expect from NAC at Briarcrest, where we've always hosted it, you know, to Orlando. So, you know, that will be there for, and it'll be just three days packed full of performing and inspirational opportunities. And, and maybe even more important right now, opportunities to reconnect as human beings, you know, <laughs> like be in the same place as a lot of other people and feel the energy that we've all missed from those live performances. It will be get the number of people that we expect. You know, if we hit close to our limit, which it looks like we will based on, you know, early registrations, it'll be the biggest, you know, live convention in acapella history. So I'm really excited about it. It has been a disproportionate amount of work so far, but it, it'll, it will totally be worth it once, mm. once we find 
finally get to March and we see all those groups there. And I'm, I'm excited not only just about the sheer number of groups, but the quality of the groups that have already registered and the ability to see what happens when we combine these these two separate worlds together. I think there's going to be something really magical. I mean, plus it's also like, you know, the happiest place on earth. Everybody's going to be like, you can jump in the pool and then go do your masterclass and then go watch a show and then maybe spend the next day at Disney World, you know? So I can't imagine packing much more fun into a few days time. Absolutely. Well, I can't imagine it will be much more fun than my time has been with you. JD, thank you so much for this opportunity to hear what you guys have been up. I appreciate the opportunity, Rachel. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to seeing everybody online on July 8th. Yeah, and for folks who want to tune in, can you please give them details for how to do so? Alcaville, I'm sure we will have all the information to you all as well, but it's going to be on our Briarcrest One Voice uh, YouTube channel. That's where the premiere is going to happen. There will be a, uh, a live party room on Instagram at 6.30, so uh, Central Time. 7 o'clock will be the premiere Central Time on YouTube. So tune in. It will be a whole interactive experience. There'll be a lot of guest acapella stars participating and a lot of One Voice students and alums. And so it'll just be a, a big acapella party. So come come join us. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. Join on July 8th. And thank you so much to J.D. Frizzell. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks for listening to this week's The Pulse, only on Acaville Radio. Remember, Acaville Radio is your home for the best in acapella news, music, and video. Only at acaville.org.